everybody, welcome to your favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. And today, we've got a very special episode planned. Uh, we're going to be talking about two of the Marvel Treasury Edition uh, Spider-Man comics, so this will be really fun. We're going to start off with uh, Marvel Treasury Edition number 25 with Spider-Man vs. the Hulk at the Winter Olympics. And then after that, we're going to jump to uh, Treasury Edition number 28 with Superman and Spider-Man. That's right. And in case anyone's wondering why we're skipping the numbers in between, some of them don't have Spider-Man and also some of them are reprints. So these are two of the Marvel Treasury Editions that have original stories in them. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, like you said, we're going to start with number 25, which is... Spider-Man versus the Hulk at the Winter Olympics. <laughs> uh, before we get into the interiors, let's just talk about the cover first of all. Right. Um, I actually really like this cover. It's by Bill's, Bill's, I think, oh, sorry. The cover's by Al Milgram and Jack Abel. Okay. It's got the Hulk fighting Spider-Man in front of like a crowd of people on a mountain, like a ski sl slope or whatever. Uh, what do you think of this cover? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, there's some dynamic poses. Uh, there's a lot of action going on. There's some cool foreshortening with uh, the Hulk. He's kind of ripped off this uh, ski lift pole. And it's this huge pole, and he's swinging it at Spider-Man. Um, there's, like, skis flying around and, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of everywhere. Spider-Man is dodging this thing that Hulk is swinging at him. It's, it's pretty fun. It's actually surprisingly good. I mean, Al, Mil Al Milgram gets a lot of flack from from readers, but this is actually pretty good. Like you said, like the swing of the whatever that is, like the 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 thing of a bob that Hulk is holding is really well done with the ski in the foreground and the way Spider-Man's jumping. It's really it's nice. I mm -hmm. really like it. Then on the back, we've got an image that sort of looks like it's connected, but not really. And it's the Mole Man coming out of the ground. And it's drawn by Bill Sienkiewicz and inked by Bruce Patterson. Also, another good shot. So I actually prefer the cover, though. I think the cover is better than the back yeah. cover. What do you think? Yeah, I yeah. think so, too. Yeah. So anyway, so this is definitely a, a strange story. So obviously written to tie in with the 1980 Winter Olympics. Um, I guess my my impression of this comic is, you know, when you're watching like a TV show, like whatever it may be, Seinfeld, the Brady Bunch, and they do an episode where they go on a trip to Hawaii, yeah. they go on a trip to LA, and right. it doesn't quite feel right, and it doesn't quite, it's not not as good as the regular series, but they, maybe they had a little bit extra money, right. so they go on this trip, and they show them doing all these crazy things, and they also throw in some guest stars, right? Yeah, or they the have episode. like a Disney World episode where they <laughs> the whole gang goes on a you know, vacation to Disney. Right, right. Yeah. And so overall, uh, this was a really long story. Yeah. And it was, to be honest, it was a struggle to get through. What did you think? Yeah, it 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 felt really drawn out. I don't think it would have been as bad if it was just a little bit shorter. Like There just right. seems to be a lot of fluff for no reason. Um, right, right. Uh, it's it, I, it's kind of an interesting idea, but again, I don't think it was just fleshed out enough, and there's a lot of just kind of junk thrown in to, to get to that like 60 page count. I think it is. Oh boy, this is a this is actually a 62 page 62. story. Yeah, yeah. Woof. It's uh, that's that's a long one. <laughs> That's about three times as long as a typical comic of the day. So, yeah, we're not going to go as in-depth with, well, 
We're not going to go panel by panel, but we'll do our best here. So, right. oh boy, uh, I'll do my best and you help out if I uh, falter here. But basically, right. ooh, we've got this openings. Uh, well, we've got like a nice little introductory splash page that's kind of like a pre-splash page of Spider-Man and the Hulk. Right. It's kind of like a, almost like a second cover. It's kind of cool. But then when we cut into the action, we see Spider-Man swinging on top of this um, ski slope. And he's encountering this group of, I guess they're villains, called um, Digger, uh, yeah. Boulder, Landslide, and someone else. Who's the woman? Yeah, she's some sort name. of witch, I think. I can't remember her name either. Yeah, but but it's like Chapter 1, The Outcast. And we should also point out this is written by Bill Mantlo, Mark Grenwald, Stephen Grant. Uh, Bill Mantlo we know from Spectacular. Mark Grenwald we know from Marvel 2 and 1. Stephen Grant was actually the writer who was doing Marvel uh, team up when we first started the podcast and uh sorry they did the plot and then the actual script was done by uh bill mantlow Mantlo. and the artist is our buddy herb trimpey from marvel team up right you, you remember him right oh i remember him <laughs> yeah and inks are by bruce patterson who i'm not overly familiar with but the inks look pretty good on this right uh, basically surprisingly sorry, surprisingly i i enjoyed the the art by herb trimpey Right. Um, it's it was really good. It didn't feel as rushed as a lot of the um, Marvel team ups have been. Uh, right, it feels right. a little bit more fleshed out, and maybe he maybe it's because he had more time with this one because it's a longer uh, a longer issue. So maybe it was I don't know he had more time and didn't feel as rushed. Maybe it maybe that's been. maybe that's also why Marvel team up has felt so kind of out there. Because they were kind of rushed along. Well, this was... I don't know uh, what time, I guess, comparatively, this was written. Do you know Well, Well, this was sev- This was published in 80. So this was a couple years before the issues we're reading right now. Right. So it could have been that. But I also think it could have just been the inks are by... This is by Bruce Patterson. Like I said, Mike Esposito is a great inker. He just maybe mm-hmm. isn't suited for Herb Trimpey. That could just right. be it, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, basically, so... We start off with Spider-Man just fighting these bad guys. There's not really much going on here other than fisticuffs. Right. And, um, and they kind of just hint at something that's going on. They disappear. And Spider-Man, they basically leave Spider-Man trapped at nice. And then we... Um, and and then, also uh, they, they kidnap one of the... Um, yeah. One of the... Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, athletes. Athletes. Right. right. Maria that's actually Karzoff? A- Right, and to be honest, I didn't do any research. I don't know if she's a real person or not. I don't know if you know, but no, I don't know. <laughs> but this is pro- obviously probably a, a callback to what happened in Munich when the real story of I don't know how many. I think it was eleven uh, Israeli athletes were kidnapped, and they were actually murdered. But this story does not go that far. No, thankfully, we see. Yeah, we see her get like cast in diamond, almost like this big mm-hmm. giant gem uh, uh, freezes right. her, and then she sinks into the ground. Uh, and Spider-Man right, right. isn't able to uh, to stop it. Like he, he's trying his his hardest, but uh, it kind of slips through his grasp, and she's gone. Um, after that, the the lights turn on in the stadium, and the bad guys kind of scurry away. Yeah. Um, and then when the the uh, police show up, Spider-Man leaves, and Peter Parker returns. Uh, he's there uh, for the Olympics to take photographs. And he starts talking to uh, one of the skiers, 
uh, and they believe like Spider-Man believes that he might be the next target and so does the press. So they're asking him a bunch of questions and they kind of go through the fact that a bunch of other athletes have already been captured. Uh, Maria was not the first one. So we mm-hmm. see that uh, Claude LeBron, a French bobsledder, has been kidnapped. Uh, uh, Bobby Kyle, Canadian hockey champ. It's so weird. He, I think that they call him something else later on, the Canadian hockey champ, now that I'm thinking about it. Do they really? Maybe, I didn't notice that. Maybe I'm mistaken. I thought it, his name was Bobby Lyle. Anyways, um, and then, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then after that, Maria was was uh, taken. So yeah, they're kind of talking to him about that, and uh, we cut to chapter two, fire on mm-hmm. frozen snow, and we're we start off with this uh, really large panel at the top of the page, and or oh, sorry, this is actually like a double page, page twelve and thirteen are this this. Uh, like two splash pages connected so it's like one huge splash page is there a word for that uh double splash page double splash yeah it's funny because it's actually a sequence where the the background is the same but the but the hulk is actually in four different panels right he's leaping over the tops of these mountain peaks he's hitting right yeah he's hitting the mountain peaks and leaping and then when he gets to the fourth panel he gets encased in diamond just like the girl earlier you know what i honestly didn't even notice that Really? Yeah, I, I I just assumed that it was like some kind of like light beams, like the other one, because like the uh. because the the gem, the the light beams that are coming off the gem are also in the third panel, like they're in the fourth and third panel. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I didn't even really click that, but now that you say that, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. That's kind of a kind of, kind of cool. a cool way to do it. Yeah. So yeah, we see Hulk jumping from mountain to mountain, and then on the last panel, uh, on this huge page, we see him uh, being encased in this gem, the same kind of gem that Maria was uh, taken in, and he starts sinking into the ground. And uh, these like lava monsters are kind of making fun of Hulk, and that makes him angrier and angrier, and he bursts out of the uh, the gem. So we get a little battle with between them and. Uh, uh, the Hulk is throwing a bunch of snow at them, which is their weakness because they're lava monsters. Um, yeah, they're they're throwing like lava catapults at them, and he's coming over and destroying them. And it's kind of this big mindless fight that doesn't you know doesn't really add anything to the story, but it's 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 pretty fun. Uh, mm. They they run away, and Hulk runs into this cave where he is uh, introduced to Queen Kala. Monarch yes. of all subterranea. Yes, I I got to point out. I do like her design. I like yeah. how she's drawn. I like her costume. It's pretty cool. Yeah, she's she's kind of she kind of has this like uh, samurai almost looking helmet. Right. Uh, the, the with these like big flares kind of coming off of them, and these cool yellow robes, and yeah, she's got a she's got a pretty interesting design, especially since they're introducing her as like this ancient queen. That's kind mm-hmm. of uh, coming up. We, we learn later on that her motives are uh, that she wants to say, stay young. And right. after she came back to the surface of sub, uh, Subterranea, she started aging uh, extremely fast. So um, she's been trying to uh, find the fountain of youth. Right. Um, which, is, which is what Tyrannus 
But yeah, it's his name. Tyrannus's motivation has always been that he's uh, after the Fountain of Youth. Right. Or he has the Fountain of Youth. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, so then we cut to chapter three. So what's going on here in chapter three? Uh, so we see the skier, I believe. Uh, no, he was not caught. I can't remember his name. But uh, he he's uh, he's competing and he breaks the world record and gets uh, gets first place and then uh, another uh, skier comes and ties him exactly for the uh, of course first place gold so they have to do a rematch and on that rematch he lifts off and then all of a sudden he's encased in this gem as well right and right. Uh, sinks into the ground and disappears. So Peter Parker dons the Spider-Man costume and uh, tries to do some detective work where he uh, meets up with those goons from earlier on and uh, he's knocked out and kidnapped. We are revealed that these guys are working for the Mole Man. That's right. From Fantastic Four number one, right? Right. So uh, he reveals that uh, a long time ago he uh, tried to introduce himself to Kala and uh, uh, she wasn't interested in him, and she he kind of fell in love with her. So he has the uh, fountain of youth now that she is interested in, and he's keeping it away from her, kind of in vain. Mm-hmm. Um, so he ha- he kind of reveals his plan that uh, he wants to stop her, I guess, from using the fountain of youth, and uh, he wants... Uh, Spider-Man to fight for him and he's kind of blackmailing Spider-Man and threatening him saying that if he doesn't fight for uh, doesn't fight for the Mole Man he's going to use this machine that will uh, create earthquakes and and kill a bunch of people at the Olympics right so Spider-Man is kind of forced to fight for the Mole Man Mm -hmm. Um, and and Mole Man's also using uh, what are they called outcasts right they're people from the surface that are sort of uh, these odd-looking people with weird powers, like various different uh, powers that he's using them. He's using on his team to fight the Lava Men, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so after that, we get this kind of cool-looking battle sequence almost with uh, these the outcasts and the Mole Men versus the Lava Monsters, and they're kind of... Uh, on two separate sides of this huge canyon underground. Mm. And they're like chucking boulders and like lava balls at each other. And there's like firing going back and forth. It's pretty, uh, there's some pretty cool uh, uh, stuff in here. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool page. Like um, Herb Trippy, uh, he's kind of influenced by Kirby and Jim Steranko. And you can see it here. It's a really nice page. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And then just two panels. Pages later, we get another nice full splash page, right, of the Hulk. Oh, yeah. Kind of like eating dinner and drinking from like a, uh, whatever it's a called. A huge bowl or something. Right, right. Yeah. And then the Queen's back there, Queen Kala. I don't know. It's a pretty cool page. Yeah, there is some nice art in here for sure. Right. And I guess it's implied that uh, she's been drugging the Hulk with like yes. the food and drink. Um, that way she can kind of tame him and, and uh, trick him into fighting for her. Right, right, right. Um, so, uh, yeah, after that, we see her actually use this ray gun to zap the life away from uh, from the, this. Uh, from the athlete, right? Right. And turn her into an old woman. Right, right. So she <laughs> yeah. she kind of like goes all old and wrinkly inside of the gym. 
Right. And uh, uh, they're going. She's going to use her as kind of like uh, leverage mm-hmm. and like a like a backup plan in case anything goes wrong. Uh, for her evil plan. So she then convinces the other athletes like listen if you don't fight for me then she's going to die and not uh not be able to use the fountain of youth so they're kind of forced to uh fight for her so she gives them these kind of goofy like super weapons uh that have to do with their sport that they (laughs) that they're doing in the olympics so ridiculous yeah uh brad gets these rocket skis and power poles capable of incinerating an enemy. His response is cute. It's great. It's kind of some sarcasm. Like you could, you see yeah. them kind of like using these, these yeah. weapons and testing them out, but they're like not happy about it. I, I right. really love that line. I think it's, I, I was like genuinely, I, I don't know why. I think it's because you could tell that he's just not impressed and, it's such a simple, like, short thing to say that you get everything you need from that one character. Right, uh, right, right. Maria gets these super skates. They're razor sharp uh, and good for slashing. Uh, and then Claude, Claude LeBron gets the uh, bomb sled armed bomb with sled. fiery flame cannons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Bobby, yeah, see, they call him Bobby Lyle here, not Bobby Kyle. Okay, you're right. That must be well. One of them's a mistake. I'm assuming Bobby Kyle's the right one. I don't know though. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he gets he he gets uh, his weapon, and he of course gets. Let me guess, a super stick that fires power pucks. Yes, the That's most advanced awesome. weapon known to subterranean science. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So great. Oh, this is great. You're yeah. right. Yeah, and then uh, we get this. Uh, nice page with these big four panel like equally sized uh rectangular panels and we uh it's it's pretty cool uh, we get to see them actually using the uh the weapons and it's there's some pretty interesting things uh going on yeah like this is let's be clear this is insane but it is fun right yeah it's it's so, completely goofy like it's it's right. kind of like that mush mustache twirling villain motive right like they're right she's she's completely doing it for vanity like she just wants to be beautiful again and she's like giving super weapons to athletes to fight for her like it's a ridiculous but fun right um exactly so then we get uh this interaction with her and mole man and they decide that um they're gonna kind of do this wager where they're going to uh use the olympic stadium to have their separate teams fight each other and see whoever wins will get the fountain of youth and they take the uh they take the entire olympic stadium and mole man lifts it off the ground on these giant poles <laughs> that jut out it's so like super evil plan it's great yes and let's be clear like the i mean i love herb trimpy but this shot of the the entire you know olympic grounds coming out of the ground it looks like a toy yeah it really does it's (laughs) it's so hard to accurately draw that but i mean yeah it looks ridiculous but whatever i can i can you know i can suspend my disbelief right i I think it's because it's cool right it's 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 fun like i don't know uh so yeah they uh they uh introduced the the bobsled team versus the uh uh mole man's group of uh, what were they called again uh, 
Well, there's the outcast. The outcast, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's gonna be the outcast versus the uh, the athletes with the super weapons, and then uh, she introduces the fact that uh, he, she has the Hulk fighting for her, and Mole Man knew that this was gonna happen, so he brings out his secret weapon, Spider Man. Uh, And then this huge uh, uh, battle starts happening on chapter four, the contest of champions. Yeah. Where have we heard that before? Yeah, really? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I think I I think maybe last issue, I think I had mentioned the fact that um, the contest of champions was kind of connected to the the, uh, Olympics issue. And I think maybe this is where I'm getting it from. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, when we because we did Contest of Champions on Quasar Chronology, and I think there was a connection there. Like it was originally written for that, wasn't it? Right, I think so. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it didn't have anything to do with the Olympics, and then there was this huge delay on it, I believe. Right. So and then, then they, they released released it. Right. right. As the uh, miniseries. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm wondering if this has anything to do with it too, because yeah, again, it's called the Contest of Champions, so it might be just a nod mm-hmm. to it, even. Yeah, could be. Um, but yeah, it, it really kind of just turns into this big fight for a little while. Um, Mm. there's some pretty cool stuff. Like Hulk has this armor on and it's uh, making him slow. So he busts out of it. And, uh, we see the super athletes using their like sporting equipment to, to fight. And, uh, the lava monsters are throwing like coal rocks and the hockey players are, uh, uh, like blasting them with the hockey sticks and yeah, it's, it's, there's some pretty fun stuff. Yeah. Again, I guess it's kind of the absurdity of how, how you shoehorn in Olympic Olympic athletes into like a superhero. Right. right? But it still is fun though. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of just fighting, 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 right. Not much actual story. And then eventually I don't even know how the story ends. Like, the Hulk smashes the ground and then and then the entire let's be clear here this must be like this is the size of a mountain plus all the surrounding area that's on these giant pillars and then it all right. just sinks back into the ground right yeah and that's like, it yeah yeah it, it I, I the Hulk ends up snapping out of the mind control because uh, Mara is uh, uh, Mara or Marla whatever whatever the the queen's name is um Mm -hmm. she okala sorry she gets distracted because the one athlete she drained of life has accidentally splashed into the uh fountain of youth and when she did Mm -hmm. that she drained all of the water so it can't be used anymore uh so the hulk has the opportunity to um smash and destroy the uh the box that they're using to view this contest of champions and right. uh, uh, she grows old and, and wrinkly <laughs> and kind of ages rapidly. And there's no right. way for her to go back because the Fountain of Youth is destroyed. But uh, the Mole Man says that I'll still love you no matter what kind of thing. We, you know, where, you, where you'll be ruling as my queen, there is no light. So I won't be able to see your face. It doesn't really matter what you look like to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they kind of just leave. And then um, the Hulk... Uh, yeah, again, like you were saying, smashes the, the, the Olympic Stadium back to the ground and uh, yeah, with one punch. It was one yeah, with one big punch and uh the athletes are fine and, and ready to uh, start competing again in the Olympics and Spider Man swings off and it ends. 
And then, of course, he gives a little soliloquy. That's what makes a true champion, Brad. Not winning or losing, but understanding the true importance of the contest. Remember, remember that, and you'll always be a champion, whether they give you a gold medal for it or not. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then, of course, if you flip to the last page, it's actually an advertisement. It says, coming this summer, Marvel superheroes at the Summer Olympics. That must be what was originally Contest of the Champions. Right, right? okay. Or contest of Champions, yeah. So, right. I'm never reading that again. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, it, it was, it was, uh, there were some fun. interesting stuff. I, I was, I will say I was entertained reading it, but it was just fluff. Like, there's really no substance to the story, and it's just kind no. of a gimmick. Right? Like, it's. Right, right. Like you said, yeah, like just shoehorning in the Olympics into the story. Right. It, it, it's like, like fast food comics. Like, it's, it's fun. And like you enjoy, kind of enjoy it while reading, but it's fast food, like you know, junk food. Like you're gonna have fun reading it, but it's there's not really much substance there. Right. It's kind of like like it's like when you go see like a at least back in the '80s, there'd be like the blockbuster movie, and then there'd be the fast food tie-in where you'd get like a toy, exactly, or <laughs> or like a Happy Meal, and that's what this is. This is the Happy Meal of Spider-Man and Hulk, yeah. right? So. Not a great story. No. But um, our next, our our next, our second and final pick for today is also, as far as I know, the the last Marvel Treasury Edition ever published, and this yeah. is the follow. This is the second time Spider-Man and Superman team up. Far less famous than the first time. Have you ever read the first team up between Superman and Spider-Man? No, I I don't think I have. Really? No. It's um. It's pretty good. It's pretty classic, but uh, some people think this one's actually better. Um, I actually quite enjoyed this story. Um, yeah, it was a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, and the thing is, is I'm I'm never, almost never excited by uh, team ups between like different companies, but this one I thought they did it right. Like, this it's just a very casual like the way that the they kind of reference like, oh, well, you know what? Now we're going to go to Metropolis and do this. They don't make a big deal about it, the fact that they have to cross dimensions to meet each other. This is just a pretend continuity where Superman and Spider-Man right. exist in the same, right? And they just casually go over there. I just think that's pretty cool. That's one thing that makes it work. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Like, I think that the great thing about it is they don't write a reason why these two universes are, universes are connected. It's just kind of like this alternate comics world where metropolis and new york are in the same place right or, or, right are both on earth and they just kind of right. don't acknowledge the fact that it's two separate things and they can kind of hang out with each other but absolutely I, so the the gist of this one is um dr doom has this evil plan and peter parker goes to metropolis to do some digging around and seeing what he can do and superman clark kent decides to go to new york and it's almost like Spider-Man and Superman switch lives for, for an issue right. where right. Uh, 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 Superman kind of goes and hangs out with J. Jonah Jameson and, uh, and the Daily Bugle and uh, Peter Parker goes to Metropolis and works there and, you know, meets Superman's friends. And uh, it's really fun because I, I think that you, you kind of get the sense that um, – Spider-Man is is the one that's cursed. It's not his surroundings. Like his bad luck right. is just him. It's not you know 
his life or what's going on because it kind of follows him over and uh he's unlucky in metropolis and then when clark kent comes to uh to almost take over peter parker's life he is still the same clark kent superman and everything kind of goes right for him and he's charming and yes. well liked so you know he's even able to charm j jonah jameson and uh get him ha- like you know happy and and work well with him like it, it it's really funny i think and a clever way to do it yeah and like um so yeah, i i'm just going to go through the story quickly yeah. um first yeah so it's written by jim shooter who at the time was editor in chief of marvel and who has a long history of writing for both dc and marvel uh, he also famously wrote secret wars 1 and 2 which a lot of people didn't like but you know he he's he, if you're going to have someone that's able to write all of the characters he definitely is one of the ones that I think can do a decent job. Right. Um, it was penciled by John Buscema, Buscema, who's absolutely one of my favorite artists. Yeah, he's I don't think great. We've ever talked about him. Yeah, but we, no, we have. I mean, we definitely have. Okay, we have. Okay, yeah. good because not all the pages are great and not all the panels are great, but there are there is some great moments in here that we're going to get to. There are some great moments. Um, the inks are by Joe Sinnott, who's most famous for doing Jack Kirby on uh, Fantastic Four. And then the backgrounds are inked by a bunch of different people. Terry Austin, Klaus Janssen, Bob McLeod, Al Milgram, Steve Liola, or Leah Lo- Loha, um, Walt Simonson, Bob Layton, and Joe Rubenstein, and Bob Wyasek. But anyway, so I'm just going to quickly talk about, okay, so we first uh, start off with Spider-Man intervening on what appears to be the scene of a crime. There's a bunch of construction workers at a construction site, but it's in the middle of the night. And of course, they're armed with expensive laser pop guns, as (laughs) one of the guys calls them, right? So Spider-Man gets into a fight with them. They're shooting him at him. and, And meanwhile, he's also taking photos. And then basically... He rounds them up. The cops come. And just like in the other one we read, and just like in most Spider-Man stories, the cops want to question him, but he just ends up taking off. Right. Which is an old trope of uh, Spider-Man stories. Then we cut to Dr. Doom, who's kind of watching from his uh, headquarters in Latveria. And he's he's, um, kind of narrating his plan for, his latest plan for world domination. Right. And it's kind of cool because we get like a, I think more of a glimpse into his mindset than we usually do. And like we we show him go, you know, going to a mirror and he's like looking in the mirror and he takes off his mask, which is pretty rare in those days. And we see the top of his bald head and he's like, once happiness seems so much closer, so easily within my grasp for a darkly handsome gypsy youth, a genius, a dabbler in sorcery. It seemed all roads led to success, to fulfillment, even love. Then came the accident which ruined my face and my life in one single searing instant. I don't know. It's pretty cool. What it's really great. This? Yeah. I also love like beforehand, he's kind of monologuing and uh, talking to himself like out loud. Uh, it's right. not these aren't thought bubbles like he's he's talking to himself. And then as he walks away, his his butler uh Master, how may I serve? And then Doctor Doom interrupts and says, "Go and double check my personal tapes. Make certain yeah. that they <laughs> yeah. make certain that they take my every utterance is being recorded as usual, and have a transcript of this evening's tapes brought to my throne room. I'll want to read it later. I believe my last soliloquy to be particularly inspirational. It's so great. Like he's That's so great. yeah, he's so like." cocky and sure of himself that yeah he's 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 monologuing for himself yeah it's it's yeah i know yeah he's taking inspiration from himself yeah Yeah. he's very impressed with himself yeah Uh, Yeah. this is great like again this is a rare chance that jim shooter got to write dr doom and he does a bang-up job i think you know 
So then um, we, and this is something I didn't expect, but they actually, this is not just a Superman, Spider-Man story. They introduced the Hulk early on. Right. And yeah, so so we see um, Dr. Doom talking about the Hulk, the Hulk. We'll get back to him later. But then we cut over, and this is, again, this is great because it's very rare that we get to see John Buscema drawing Spider-Man. So one of the things I want to point out on digital page eight, one of the things John Buscema is a master of is every panel is like a full scene. Yeah. So in the first panel, we see him waking up. Then the next panel, he's walking out the door. He's got his half his jacket half on. We see breakfast half eaten on the table. He's drinking his milk. There's dishes in the sink that are, you know, completely filled up. The garbage is overflowing. And we we just see with that one picture like, we don't even have to know. We don't have to read what's going on. We know he's late. For whatever right. he's doing, he's late, right? And it just shows how disheveled and disorganized his life is. I just love it, you know? It's great. Then we, Yeah, then we cut to the next shot. He's in high school. He's at college. He's hitting on this girl. Then the next panel, we see her walking away smirking, and he's kind of got that look on his face. So, again, without even reading the dialogue, we know that he's completely struck out with her, right? Mm -hmm. It's just so freaking well done. I love this art. And then we cut over to him, you know, flashing back to a little bit of Aunt May. Then we see him in the Daily Bugle with uh, Joe Robertson and J. Jonah Jameson. And it's just, again, the typical J. Jonah Jameson's throwing, you know, rejecting his pictures. They're garbage. Spider-Man is old news in this town. Right. Then we see him pointing, again, visually, we know what's going on. He's pointing to a picture of Superman. Superman is where it's at now, right? And so he's like, so he sends him on this mission. He's like, uh, so yeah, does he send him to take pictures of Superman here? Uh, you're washed up around here unless you start snapping something newsworthy. For instance, the wire services are saying that the Hulk's been sighted headed towards Metropolis. So now that's where we get right. the introduction. Like we established that this is now a different continuity where New York and Metropolis coexist. And it's right. great, you know? Yeah. I, I, and the storytelling continues even afterwards um, because we see uh, the, the, the first panel on uh, page... Oh, what is this page eight original page eight? So digital nine, uh, we see the helicopter flying over the city. It's like flying over a chapel. Then we cut to the, the news anchors in the helicopter recording everything. And then after that, it's this huge wreckage. And it, right. like that, that panel with like the train destroyed and like mm -hmm. buildings on fire and completely crumbled. There's a, truck that's like wrapped around a building it's mm -hmm. there's so much detail there's there's a there's a car like literally through the roof of like this what is it like a saloon or bank yeah, or something yeah. like that like it's it's really uh really detailed and it really tells a story mm -hmm. and then after that you can see kind of the the mayhem and the chaos that's going on there's there's this little girl like screaming in the foreground and the firefighters are trying to put out this fire and uh then we get a close-up of superman it's just really well done every single panel uh -huh. is its own story and it, and this is also I, I don't know if we mentioned this but this is the destruction this is the d destructive path of the hulk right that's and, what they're looking at and the and dr doom has been kind of uh making the hulk follow this destructive path to right, right. metropolis Right, right. 
oh, it's so good. Yeah. And so then, and then we, so then we we touch base with uh, Jimmy Olsen, and they get back to the newsroom. Um, and basically, at this point in, Sp- in Superman continuity, uh, Superman was working, or the Daily Planet had been bought out by GBS, a TV station. So now, it, they still have Jimmy Olsen and Lois and Clark, but and Perry White. But now they're all working for Morgan Edge, who's their boss. And there's also Steve Lombard, who's also part of the supporting cast now, and he's kind of a bully that's always picking on Clark Kent. So right. this is a continuity, like a, like a status quo I'm not overly familiar with, but just so everyone knows, that's what's going on here. So at this point, Superman, or sorry, Clark Kent and Lana Lang, I believe, are both on-air TV news anchors. Right. So, so yeah, so basically, you know, we see in the news that the Hulk, oh, so, so sorry, Superman sees with his x-ray vision and his telescope vision that the Hulk is outside, but he wants to clear the room so he can change into Superman. And so he fakes, um, he uses super ventriloquism (laughs) to create a voice outside in the hallway saying, run, the Hulk is right outside the building. Then he stomps his foot on the ground and obviously it's Superman. So it's so powerful that it rocks the whole building. So So great. The people in the room are convinced that the Hulk is attacking. So they all run out of the newsroom, but Clark Kent runs the other way and turns into Superman. Right. And then we we get this great battle afterwards with uh, Superman and Hulk. And uh, it's really fun because I feel like they're, probably the most even matched of like the Marvel right. DC, like just because they're kind of both unstoppable in their strength and right. Like, right. uh, uh, nothing like bullets can't affect them. And, uh, yeah. So it, it was, it's kind of cool to see them brawl and have at it. It's, I mean, it's, it's great. Yeah. Like, um, uh, I mean, I could stare at this art all day, but basically then Peter Parker comes into the scene and, um, you know, he gets off a bus and he's got to go find somewhere to change into Spider-Man. <laughs> right. And then, um, and, and, you know, Superman is, uh, sorry, the Hulk is buried under all this wreckage and Superman is lifting up the wreckage to try to get to him. But then Super, er, but then Hulk punches Superman and knocks him right into the air. He lands on the other side of the river. It's great. So good. The Hulk is, yeah. And then, and then Spider-Man comes in to kind of intervene in the fight and then him and Hulk, are kind of shouting at each other. Then we get this great classic scene on page, digital page 20 where Superman flies back, lands, and then he basically, he's like, step aside, son. This is a job for Superman. He walks over. The Hulk winds up and punches him, and Superman doesn't even move. Uh, so let's be clear for anyone out there. At this point in continuity, Superman was unimaginably stronger right. than the Hulk, <laughs> which is, I mean, I try not to obsess so much over this sort of fanboy, like fantasy, like who would win in a fight between Wolverine and, you know, whatever. I don't even care about that stuff, but I got to admit, this is pretty cool. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's really great. Uh, I, I love how he comes back and, and kind of uh, what he says to the Hulk is really cool, too. And the fact that he was kind of like, yeah, I was just trying to stop you before but now i don't want to be moved so i will not be moved yeah like that's that's great (laughs) yeah he he says Um, uh and when i'm ready and i don't want to be moved no power on earth can move me mm -hmm. and he pretty much like like, takes a stand and he's trying to tire out the hulk right um and uh as as he's kind of just standing there taking these punches he notices that there's this uh like little like drone inside of the Hulk's ear and he destroys it and it takes away the buzzing 
that's been going on right. that's been t- sending the Hulk on this rampage. And uh, he's able to come down the Hulk and he turns back into Bruce Banner, which isn't done very often. No, it's not. Definitely. You're right. Um, it, I mean, it's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, Jim Shooter knows what he's doing. Yeah. Even Spider-Man takes note of that. Like, whoa, holy cow, he did it. Soup's mm-hmm. talked the Hulk into calming down enough so that he, you know, turns back into Bruce Banner. Right. It's so, great. I yeah. really like this. Um, so then, yeah. So then Sp- Spider-Man turns back into Peter Parker. Superman flies away. And Bruce Banner, is he taken into custody or is he just they just let him go? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's talking to the police and we kind of cut away as Superman flies off. And then uh, we get a little bit of like a backstory of the parasite and what he's doing in the story. Right, right. Uh, so he crawls out of the ground and he's weak. Uh, and he ends up siphoning off some of the power of Peter Parker, who's in the crowd. And I love how I didn't really realize this about the parasite, but he only sucks superpower people's right. abilities. And so he can he's like, wait, suddenly I feel much stronger much stronger somehow my body's absorbing energy whoa what's and then so that's where he realizes someone in that crowd must be far more human for my energy absorbing body to siphon away their strength from such a distance i think it's so cool yeah and we see this great these great uh images by john busema of peter sort of like almost fainting right and being caught by jimmy olsen then jimmy olsen takes him for a coffee and i wish he would have got a longer scene more dialogue between them but we kind of get just a quick shot of them sitting there there's not really much to it but it is nice to see them hanging out you know yeah and the thing i sorry go ahead i was just say yeah that it it was pretty interesting and it's kind of like a a nice uh character moment after all this fighting and then like super villains showing up and powers being siphoned like being able to kind of breathe for a second and just see these two characters that have never met before meet and interact. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think one of the things about John Buscema that's so great is there's so much, it's, there's not just a lot of detail and a lot of story in each panel, but there's so much in between. Like we see the shot of them sitting, having coffee and then the next shot, boom, they're outside, you know? Right. And it's like, he's moving through time so quickly. And I think that's one of the things that makes him so great. Like even when you go to the next page, digital 25, it's like, you know, uh, Peter and Jimmy Olsen are at the door and Steve Lombard's talking to the secretary. And then the next shot, they're, they're standing right next to him. It's like they, he moves very quickly through space and time. And it's, right. it's something you don't see nowadays. Like now a, a lot of modern artists, They'll just have a static shot of someone talking, and then it cuts back, and it's the same shot. Yeah, it, it, and this it, he really kind of like trims the fat of of uh, like all of the the like storytelling, and allows right. you as the reader to kind of fill in the gaps. Like you see right. that you see that they're having this conversation while sitting and having coffee, and then the conversation continues on the walk outside. Like, you don't need right. to see them pay their bill, get up, walk out the door, and then start, like, walking down the street. You you know all of that happens as they're chatting and getting to know each other and having this conversation, right? So... Totally. It, yeah, you're, you're able to kind of fill in the gaps, and, and you're able to look at these just few panels and understand exactly what's going on and what they've just done. Totally. It's so, great. Yeah. So then, so then, um, so then this is where Clark decides to take a leave of absence, right? Right. Which shocks uh, Morgan Edge. Is it Morgan Edge? Yeah. Yeah. It must. Yeah, it's Mr. Edge, Morgan Edge. So then, so he decides to take a leave of absence, so he takes off. And then um, 
he flies over to the Latvian embassy and he's uh, he goes to talk to Doctor Doom. Oh, so maybe originally Doctor Doom was here. I thought he was in Latveria, but I guess he was in his embassy. So he's here to talk to Doctor Doom, and we actually get some pretty freaking cool dialogue. Here. Yeah. And basically, Doctor Doom says to uh, Superman, um, "You know, you surely you understand. For philosophically, we are much alike. You and I are the mightiest beings on this planet." I choose to exert my power to impose my will upon the world. You choose not to. And yet even that choice does indeed affect the lives of every man, woman, and child on earth, condemning them, in fact, to poverty, disease, famine, and to the hideous suffering they inflict upon one another. You cannot escape it, Superman. You dictate the fate of mankind one way or the other. And Superman says, I know. But what can I do? Seize power and try to remake the world into a utopia? That would put me into a class with men like Hitler and you. This is awesome. It's so great. I don't think I've ever seen any other writer point that out. But it's true. He does really control the fate of humanity and he chooses to act a certain way. And that affects it no matter what, right? Yeah. No, it's really smart smart writing to have these two characters that are like both in separate universes but like – are complete opposites in in what they are like they're both extremely powerful uh characters and they use their powers in totally opposite ways and it's it's really smart to bring them together and and then have this dialogue about that and how their actions kind of uh change the world for good or evil right it's really good and then uh yeah this ends up being a trap for superman and superman kind of figures that that's what's going on and he does something so freaking cool he mm-hmm. rips up the <laughs> lead of the ground and like rolls it like he burritos up in this like right me- metal sheet and he spins around so fast that it melts the lead around him into this <laughs> metal like suit like coating shell around superman so he's able to pick up the kryptonian or sorry kryptonite, kryptonite. and throw it out the building into the sun Isn't that awesome? and then after that he just breaks out of the 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 metal shell and uh he's about to you know finish off doom and he says you can't touch me you're you're a man of the law and you're yes. on my soil and I make the rules. So Superman is completely helpless because, you know, he's he's in the embassy and he's not allowed to hurt or harm Doom. So he just walks out like it's so. It's amazing. Yeah, it's and, uh, like this is people behaving logically, people behaving in character and the writer using their characters in creative ways, right? Yeah. Surprising situations. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. Like after Superman literally makes a shell out of metal, grabs Mm -hmm. kryptonite, throws it into the sun. He's, you know, he literally just walks away afterwards. And and Doom, that's, that's almost like Doom's superpower is the fact that he's smart enough to figure out a way to stop him without doing anything physical, physically, because he knows he's not a match physically for Superman. Right. right. So he, he defeats him in another way and wins this battle by literally doing nothing and standing there. And just right. having that much power to, to stop somebody like him without, like, moving a muscle is crazy. Yep. It's yeah. great. It, it's it's great. De- it definitely is a reason why he, he's one of the best supervillains ever is because he's so right. smart and he uses his power uh, 
to outsmart and and uh, challenge the superheroes mentally. It's great. So then we see that um, Parasite is hanging out with Doctor Doom. Uh, are you familiar with Parasite at all? Um, a little bit. I I I know of him. Again, I. I don't think I've really read any comics with him, but I've definitely read about him. Well, it's funny because he they made him look really cool in the animated series in the 90s. But as you can see here, he looks completely different and his costume is pretty lame. It just looks like underwear and like right. a weird stripe up the middle of his chest, you know? So I'm actually surprised they used him in the story. Like I didn't realize how important or prominent he was back then. Eh? Right. Hmm, I, so I anyway... Yeah, so basically, so then we just cut back to, um, so now, uh, this is where Clark Kent basically gets a job at the Daily Plan or the Daily Bugle, right. which is kind of cool because, as we said earlier, like, this is not just a rock'em, sock'em, you know, excuse for, like, a fight scene with, between two different characters. This is, they actually explore the differences between the two characters, right? And so right. then they show... It's a great way to do fish out of water, right? right? And it's it's really cool because we kind of get to see uh, the other characters live each other's lives, and right. it definitely uh, you see Superman interact with uh, J. Jonah Jameson, and you're assuming that he's going to be you know snippy and mean and and rude to to Clark just like he is with Peter, but he's like excited to see him and happy and kind of greets mm-hmm. him. Uh, even at one point, I think uh, maybe it's not exactly right here oh i think i think yeah right after this um uh clark is in one of the rooms changing back from superman into his uh civilian clothes and j jonah jameson is just banging on the door blast it can't open it all and he opens it up and then clark kent just kind of like charms his way out of it right it's so great like it that would never ever work for peter parker but it just Mm kind of goes to show you how like how great Clark Kent is at like being human. Right. Right. Yeah. Completely different. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it just shows how he would handle the situation differently. And then we also see, this is kind of cool how Gloria is kind of interested in Clark, but you know, he disappears again. So then Superman's back on his, uh, he's back out, um, you know, doing his thing, preventing a train from, uh, hitting a bus, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, He's kind of just going about his regular business. Right. But then we get a really cool scene where he flies to Latveria. And uh, am I jumping ahead too no, fast? No, no, no. Oh, okay. So he flies ahead to um, Latveria. And then I just I just love... I, I, I mean, Superman's my favorite character. And one of the reasons I love him so much is because the way people treat him with such respect, it's not like in Marvel where, you know, the X-Men are kind of outlaws and Spider-Man's always being hounded by the police. I love the fact that he flies to Latveria and he walks in and it's like, holy Moses, get a load of this guy. Uh, can I help you? I need some information, Sergeant. And it's just like, he just walks in with so much authority. Right. And and nobody, I don't know. I, I, it's like, you look at the, it's like he walks in like a king, you know, and he just automatically commands everyone's attention. Then, I love the fact that he, he goes in and he's like, um, I need some information, Sergeant. Officers from this precinct recently impounded some unusual weapons used in an attempted robbery. What can you tell me about that incident? Hmm, well, we received an anonymous tip. Two, two officers went to the First National on 56th, 
And he's like, interesting. We might have a look at these weapons. And of course, they let him. He just uses his X-ray vision right. and then draws on a pad and with a pencil and paper. <laughs> just draws out what the evidence looks like. Isn't that crazy? That's, yeah, it, it's weird how. Maybe it's just because we've been reading Spider-Man so much, but it, it was kind of jarring to see this happen. Um, maybe right. just, yeah, again, because I've been reading so many Spider-Man comics so lately that yes. I'm just not used to like the heroes working with the police and kind of he, he I mean, he himself is almost like a police officer in this. Like it. Yes. yes. Uh, and I mean, even in like superman comics he's like this so it's just kind of fun to see that juxtaposition of these two characters like no matter right. what spider-man does he's still an outlaw like he can't really escape it but somewhere out there there is somebody who who successfully has become a hero and like saves people on a day-to-day basis and has incorporated it into their lives and um you know, I was able to work with authorities to kind of get these jobs done. It's it's it definitely interesting. I think that these two characters were a perfect pairing uh, to do a, a crossover between the two companies. So then Soups, or sorry, so then, yeah, so Soups uh, leaves a schematic drawings for the bomb squad, and he tells them to be careful with the, with the guns because he's just like that, right? Right. And then um, basically, then we realize that um, Dr. Doom has the Hulk captured in this like you know one of those classic tube things that all superheroes right. get captured in right and then he also you know he, he, parasite tries to get smart with him so we you know he uses his energy against them meanwhile i love how we cut over to the daily bugle and peter is of course smitten with lana lang but she won't give him the time of day right. because the daily planet he's or yeah. sorry the daily planet but lana lang won't give him the time of day because she just thinks he's too young for him. Right. You know, I just think that's awesome. And in his head, she's like, great. What a time to fall apart. She must think I'm a world-class nerd. So no matter what, he's still Peter Parker. I it's, love it. Yeah, it's a really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, sorry, go ahead. Uh, and then, of course, Lombard, too, is like picking on him and making fun of him. And uh, like slaps a, a note onto his back as he's like con- pretending to console him. Right. So... Uh, yes uh what is it? i struck, struck out with, out with yeah i struck out with right. Lang. so it's just like yeah again no no matter where he is he's just down on his luck and really can't catch a break it's it's really funny but it's i, I know it's it. so true to his character uh, i was gonna say he does get back at him um real quick before he leaves he changes into his uh spidey costume and he webs up his chair a little bit uh and uh he's now like kind of stuck to his chair and it's a pretty funny moment Yep, classic. Um, and, and now again, this story is I like I love this issue, but it's not perfect. There's a lot of um, what do you call these? Like just like side stories that kind mm. of don't really contribute to the overall. Like we gotta get we get this scene here where you know a guy's up on a roof in a shootout with a cop, and Spider Man tries to intervene, but they turn on him, start shooting <laughs> at him. It's a little bit. I mean, it's not a bad scene, but overall, it kind of amounts to filler. And there's a lot of little scenes like that in this issue, right. I think, you know? Yeah, I, I I, feel like even before with Superman going back and forth, like we almost had like a couple page right. montage where he was like dealing with da- Daily Bugle stuff and then running away and saving a train. And then he would come back and then he went, you know, went out again as Superman and uh, – say stop something else and then like and so I, I think we kind of get that here as well and mm-hmm. i don't know how important it is to the story but it's still interesting to me because we get to see what the characters are doing like when right. they're not in their you know 
uh, natural habitat, I guess. And then we also get to see John, big John Buscema draw Superman for one of only two times, I think, in his entire really? career. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. He only did this and he did one prestige format uh, Superman story that ended up being his final assignment at, and he died during the assignment. Wow. Yeah, crazy. Anyway, we'll talk about that another time. Um, so yeah, so then basically Spider-Man um, goes back to the same construction site from the beginning mm-hmm. and he discovers, you know, a steel plate that he rips open and of course he goes down and and there's a weird sp- Star Wars reference here where he says, um, maybe this is where they're filming the next Star Wars movie. Wonder if I'll run into Luke Warmwater or C3D2. Yeah. I'm not sure what the gag is like. <laughs> it's not very funny i guess no. <laughs> um so then so yeah so he goes into this like underground bunker and sure enough even though this is spider-man and a spider-man and superman story he runs into wonder woman so we get to see john Buscema drawing wonder woman not the greatest sequence of art it's it looks a little bit rushed yeah. by his standards but it is cool to see her in the story you know uh, yeah uh what do you know i think it it, it I don't think that she's important to the story, but I think no. both Wonder Woman and Hulk uh, make it f- like really feel like it's an alternate universe where these two places right. are connected. And um, later on, well, uh, right now, uh, as they're uh, talking to each other, Wonder Woman does get like blasted with a laser and she gets taken and put into the tank next to Hulk. So. Right. Like I don't, I don't know. Just just that imagery alone, with the two of them like side by side in those tanks, sure. and then Spider Man and Superman working together to save them and and stop Doom. Like it makes it feel um, again connected grand, and more grand, yeah. yeah, and more grand, yeah, a grand scope. Right. Yep. It's not just these two characters like talking to each other. You get a sense that the entire worlds are connected now so right um again while i while it wasn't important to the story i still enjoyed it because it was more of like a exploring the world moment and not necessarily like important to the story but uh yeah i I thought it was pretty fun but it didn't it also didn't stand out as anything fantastic this little sequence right um, yeah, so basically, yeah, so they capture Wonder Woman and we get a, a flashback to um, Parasite's origin, which is kind of nice to see. Mm-hmm. Then Dr. Doom starts to explain his plan. <laughs> right, I which love this. Is, yeah, w- can you explain his plan? So he's um, he's put these like power plant uh, like machines all over the world and he wants to siphon out the uh, all like fossil fuels and energy and that way right that way he he controls all of the power in the entire world mm. um and he explains this by opening up a little uh ring that he's wearing and then it yes. pulls out this uh micro miniature holographic projector built into my glove i love <laughs> it's it so great so this it. like beam of light comes from his ring or from his gauntlet and it opens up the world and you see all of these points where he's installed these power plants that um he will activate once all of earth's fuel and resources are kind of depleted so he'll own all the power and all the money because people will have to pay for it right so yeah uh, yeah it's it's uh it's a pretty cool idea and it also feels like 
almost like classic. Like it's like, yeah, that's that's a that's a really cool Doctor Doom story. Like a totally. like yes. I mean a plan, right? Where, where yeah, he's he he wants to control all the power in the world. It's not it's not enough that he has Latveria. He's got, he's got to go beyond that. Well, it's also more logical than you know, I want to destroy the world. Right. It makes much more sense that, no, you just want to make a lot of money. Like, it's more logical, yeah, for right? for sure. So, so then, you know, finally, so Superman uh, figures out what's going on, then he flies down. And I kind of like, I mean, this, it, the one thing I noticed somebody pointed out about this issue was that I don't think you see Superman smile once. So he is a little bit more stoic than, than usual. But he, right. and, I mean, he's, this is the only, the only time in the 80s or 70s or 80s that he was written by Jim Shooter because Jim Shooter did write Legion of Superheroes in the 60s and I think he might have done a few Superman stories but it is unusual to see him written by Jim Shooter and you'll notice that when he's talking to Spider-Man there he's like um, you know basically Spider-Man explains what's going on and Superman's like of course I believe you I had just about pieced the whole thing together from the evidence I'd gathered anyway so what do we do these guys are playing for keeps Maybe we should get reinforcements like the army, maybe. No, there isn't time. Then it's just us? No, Doom and the Parasite are too dangerous, Spider-Man. It's just me. This is a job for Superman. So he just leaves Spider-Man yeah. behind. I think I'll take care of this myself. But then, of course, Spider-Man decides to follow him anyway. So I don't think it's Superman is arrogant. It's just that he knows he's so much more powerful than everyone else that maybe he just doesn't want them to be in danger. Right. right? It could also to be the fact that, like, Spider-Man in the in in the marvel comics he's a big hero but he doesn't seem very like big league yet like he's right, he's right. still a teenager he's still going to school like he's still like that friendly neighborhood spider-man I, like i can't think of at this point if he's stopped any like really big events or like world ending things it's mostly like right. stuff going on in new york so it would make sense that superman would say listen this is bigger than you like stay right. out of this because I, I don't want you to get hurt kind of thing and i can handle this myself so i i feel like yeah it's it's that and the fact that he, he doesn't want spider-man to like interfere and endanger himself well and i also like that it's like yes at the time spider-man was their marvel's most popular character but in the marvel universe itself he's not the most right. important character that's what's important an important distinction yeah. i think it's really cool yeah so yeah so then uh so then spider-man or superman busts in and starts fighting the parasite and uh we get to see again john busama you know showing uh superman using his um his heat vision his uh super breath mm -hmm. which i love talking about his super breath and then of course there's a giant robot in there that he gets to fight he, and then spidey comes in and is fighting the parasite and of course um yeah, basically, again, now, I, John Pusama is one of my favorite artists, but he does tend to sometimes rush his art. So some of these pages are not as good as others, sure. but it's still all decent. Yeah. I think what's um, important with him is he's very good at layout. He, he, oh, yeah. He's so good at telling a story through the panels, and you can absolutely understand everything that happens in every single one of his mm -hmm. panels from from panel to panel, you know what's going on and the action and the direction of everything. So I, I really love, um, really love him for that. Yes. And just to remind everyone listening, John Buscema literally wrote the book on Marvel art. I mean, most of these, um, a lot of these techniques were innovated by Jack Kirby, but he's the one that sort of 
refined them a little bit, and he turned them into that book, How to Draw Com Comics the Marvel Way. And that's really the template for every Marvel artist in the set, at least the 70s and 80s, mm -hmm. for sure. You know, So this is the Marvel style, and yeah, and he's one of the masters. So then we get this... <laughs> So eventually Superman gets defeated. How does he get defeated here? I can't even remember. Uh, he, uh, kryptonite, oh, I, th I think Dr. Yes. Doom turns on like a kryptonite field that surrounds him. This is so cool. Yes. He's, he's, uh, he's, well, how does he do it? He precisely kryptonite that you cannot hurl away, kryptonite you cannot flee or shoot yourself from, for is infused into the fabric of your costume. I bet Jim Shooter was saving this idea for a rainy day. Like, what a cool idea. Yeah, eh? that's really great. So uh, then he's down and out, mm -hmm. and then Spider-Man's down and out. And then what happens next? So uh, we have Spider-Man kind of chained up to this wall, and he can see that Superman is laying on this table in front of uh, Hulk and, and Wonder Woman as they're, you know, standing in these tubes completely uh, asleep, these, like, glass tubes. Um Spider-Man uses his webs and kind of pulls Superman as <laughs> like as uh, Parasite and Doctor Doom are kind of distracting each other. He's like right. pulling him off of the bed to get him out of the kryptonite. Uh, well, is yeah, he's pulling. Wait, he's wait. He he's pulling um the cot. It, no, it's not the costume. He's so Superman's covered head to toe with a light layer of webbing. And then Superman's pulling it off, and that's pulling the kryptonite out of his costume, right? Because right? it's sticky, I guess. Like, what a crazy idea! But anyway, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the, the spoiler uh, they they escape, and uh, uh, Su Superman jumps at Doctor Doom and uh, pulls off his gauntlet, right? Uh, which he uses to uh, stop Parasite. <laughs> that way, Parasite doesn't drain him of his power. Which is so smart. I, I really love that. Um, right. He, he punches him, and th this panel of him it's being awesome. punched is so great. Like <laughs> you have the because parasite is just a, is just a lifeless, you know, yeah. limp body. It's like it so looks funny. like one of those like dummies that they would use for stunt work, right? right? Like it's it, it, absolutely the limbs look like they're just flail, like not flailing, but like completely limp and loose as he's like yep. flying up into this machine after Superman just punched him. It's great. I love yeah. it. Yeah, um, that's that's something. Um, his brother Sal Buscema used a lot, and it. I don't know if it was intentionally funny, but it looked hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as Doctor Doom is trying to get away, this uh, machine is about to explode, and uh, Spider Man is trying to kind of like deactivate the bomb from the outside, while Superman flies on the inside and is holding this thing together as spider-man is like quickly deactivating it with his like precision tools i really right. think it's so great having like superman's strength like holding this together and then right. spider-man's wit like deactivating it and like shutting it down it's it's a really great way to have the two characters uh interact and like work together at the end to, right. to solve a problem it's i think that's super smart Oh yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. um, because as we know, uh, Peter Parker is you know studying. He's always been scientifically inclined, mm -hmm. and it's good that they show that, right? So, so then uh, again, we get 
Jim Shooter's characterization of Superman, where Superman chases Doctor Doom down, but Doctor Doom makes his way to the Latvian embassy. <laughs> And he's like, I made it here in my own sovereign territory. I cannot be touched. I am supreme. You would dare, you would not dare violate international law. And it's just, and then, you know, keep on believing that doom. Keep on trusting an imaginary line to protect you from me. And by everything holds sacred the next time, bah. And then, so it's just funny because in, in the way Jim Shooter writes Superman, he has beat him. And it's just a clever way, you know, to show how smart doom is. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's really great. And then we cut back, and so then, you know, the main story wraps up, and we get a, a great shot of John Buscema drawing, you know, Clark Kent, Jimmy Olsen, Perry White, and Lois Lane. Uh, it's just like, I want to put that up on my wall. Mm-hmm. It's such a nice really shot great. of them all sitting there. Yeah. And then just kind of wrapping up the story, then Peter goes back to the Daily Bugle, and it's business as usual, right, with J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> right. And we kind of wrap up with a classic, you know, speaking of generosity, J. J. <laughs> I got used to being paid better while I was at the planet. How about a raise? A raise? A raise? Why, you ungrateful yeah. whelp. Uh, there's no place like home. Wah, wah, wah. It's, the yeah, end, it's right? really great. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. So that wraps it yeah, up. So, I would definitely recommend this one. Yes, uh, so would I. Um, have you? No, I can't remember if you said so, but have you read any of the other intercompany, intercompany crossovers no. from this time? No, I haven't. Because they're very hit and miss. There's only a few of them. There's Superman and Spider-Man, Batman and the Hulk. Right. Superman and Spider-Man again, which is this one. And then there's Teen Titans and the X-Men. Okay. And they're, they're all decent, but they all suffer from some of the same problems this one did and that they're a little bit overlong. They're a little bit convoluted. But this one, honestly, based on just on memory, it's probably my favorite one. Right. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend this. Yeah. Yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. I, I definitely want to check out some of these uh, crossovers now because uh, yes. this was fun. And you know the thing is, is um, for those who don't know, I have an embarrassingly uh, you know great amount of comic books, like in the neighborhood of ten thousand, and I've <laughs> right. been whittling it down and selling them, getting rid of them. But one thing I will never do is I'll never get rid of my treasury size comics because you're pretty much never going to see those comics reprinted in that format right. again, ever, you know? So if you can find these, I'm not talking about speculation or investment. I'm talking about if you're a comic book fan and you like, you know, seeing comic books in the or in their actual page size, because I'm not sure if you know this, but you know that when John Buscema and, you know, these artists, when they draw comics, they're not the, the so I, page right. format. Yeah, they're much larger. They're more, I think they're about the size of a treasury edition. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see uh, comics in that size, pick up Treasuries because not only are there original stories like this one, they also reprint a lot of classic comics. Right. So there's chances to see John Romita and Jack Kirby and oh, Kurt Swan really cool. all in this giant format. Yeah, so definitely check those out. So that wraps up our Treasury Edition uh, episode of Here Comes the Spider Cast. Unfortunately, Treasury Editions were going out of style by 1980, and so those are the only two we'll be covering, but we will be doing other episodes covering um, Spider-Man guest appearances and other comics uh, throughout the decade. So yeah, definitely look forward to that. So you can take it from here, Josh. Yeah, um, uh, we wanna hear from you guys. We wanna know what you guys think about the the podcast and uh, the episodes or the, the comics that we're or talking about in the episodes. So you can uh, find us over at Facebook, YouTube, uh, and anywhere you can find the 
anywhere you can find podcasts like Spotify and Apple uh, Podcast at The Comic Book Syndicate. And if you want to follow us and talk to us on Twitter, you can at, at Comic Syndicate. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. We want to know what you guys think about the podcast, and we want to keep that conversation going. That's right. So this has been a special episode of the show, but next week we'll be back to our regular coverage of the monthly issues of all Spidey comics in the 80s. Right. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. <laughs>